When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome everybody into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. I'm your host, Georgia Southern writer for Underdog Dynasty, Brian Stone. Joined once again by Georgia State writer for Underdog Dynasty, Zeke Palermo. Zeke, it was it was the open of conference play for many teams in the conference. Uh, mm-hmm. And it seemed like outside of the teams that played within the conference, the Sun Belt got a little bit of juice back this week after sort of having a down week last week. Yeah, they got uh, pretty much trampled on in week three. So uh, good to see, obviously, not a ton of um, huge upsets like we saw in week two, like we saw you know a little bit in week one. But uh, momentum gaining week as a conference as a whole. Uh, so as we go into week five, looks a better, you know, it, it's easier to be optimistic than it was, you know, a week ago today. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into the game uh, that took place last Thursday. Uh, Coastal Carolina uh, traveled to Center Park Stadium in Atlanta uh, and defeated Georgia State uh, 41-24. Um, obviously we can get into the, the Grayson McCall injury. That's probably the biggest storyline to come out of this game. Um, but Georgia state drops to Owen four, uh, with the loss. They play army next week. Mm -hmm. Zeke realistically, I I mean, I'm not asking if they can beat army because I do think they can. I'm just like, realistically how long do you think this this losing streak can go for and do you think sean elliott's just like not the guy like what what is kind of your take on the state of the program as it stands right now if we're looking at the program as a whole i think sean elliott is the right guy for where the program is um i don't think he um will be able to turn the program into an elite of the Sun Belt, right? I don't think he's going to turn it into a Coastal or an app or Louisiana where, you know, you're getting national attention, you're getting a sprinkle of top 25 votes. However, up until fairly, up until really Sean Elliott's tenure in the past couple of years, Georgia State has slowly been climbing the ladder in the Sun Belt. Yeah. Um, I do think this is an abnormal year. I don't. Um, I don't think 0-4 is – obviously, they had a pretty tough start. Um, should have won the Charlotte game, so they should realistically, you know, maybe be 1-3, maybe even 2-2. Two two. Um, I'm cool with Sean Elliott. Uh, uh, I think he's the right coach for becoming a good group of five school. Um, and, and it's – I hope that whoever makes those decisions, the athletic d- director, you know, the – the boosters, whomever, I hope they don't look at this 0-4 record and think, oh my God, 
we got to can the guy because I think Sean Elliott has done a good job turning Georgia State into a perennial bowl game team, you know, a team that everyone's heard of. Maybe you don't know anything about them, but you've heard of them. Um, and they're not playing it like it this year. Uh, and as you go into Army, you go into Southern, you go into App State over the next couple of weeks, it'll be difficult to pull yourself out of this rut. But I, you asked me just about the coach. I think he's the right guy, and it's just an unfortunate spin they've had the past couple of weeks. Yeah. So you, and we'll get, we'll jump into this game in a second, but just talking like high level type stuff. Um, I, if it depends, I think on the athletic director as to when, because I don't know when Georgia state hired this athletic director, if he's Mm -hmm. been with the program for a while, I think he can tell that even though the wins might not have been there early in the season this year and early in the season last year, I mean, they're definitely light years ahead of where they were five years ago, you know? So I agree with you that, but here's, and like I said, we'll jump into this game here in a second. I have one other high level question. So when I meant, what I meant by asking if Elliot was the guy, I mean like, okay, so he's built this program into from, I mean, I'm sure you would even agree with this from a, what was a joke before to being a respectable Sunbelt team. Do you sort of think he's hit his ceiling and that they need to go elsewhere because the foundation of the program is sort of there? I mean, it feels like if, if, if the Panthers could establish any level of consistency week to week, that they might be able to make some noise, but this has kind of been the issue is like, okay, None of us, I don't think any of us anticipated that they were going to win games against North Carolina, South Carolina, and Coastal. But then they lose that game that seemed like a layup going into it to Charlotte by one point last week. Do you think that they need to move on just for the sake of the ceiling isn't there with Elliott? I agree with you that the ceiling isn't there, but I don't think they're at that ceiling yet. Um, Had the Panthers started, you know, two two and two this year, we might be having a different conversation. You know, they've put together three, four straight really good seasons. However, by slipping, I I almost think, and it sounds counterintuitive, that Elliott has a couple more years, right? I don't think they'll fire him. I don't think you should fire him after one bad season. He gets to kind of almost prove that they can, they're at that mid-level again, uh, if that makes sense. And uh, I know it sounds a little counterintuitive, but I think... Put it, pushing them back to 0-4 means that he still has to prove it. I think, as you mentioned, the athletic director and whoever makes those calls, they're going to keep giving him that chance after one poor year. So I, I don't think that we're necessarily at that season yet because you need to string another three, four years before it's real, you know, the ground is set. Okay. Um, well, getting into this game specifically, um, you know, Grayson McCall sliced up uh, the Panthers through the air. I mean, 19 of 27, 268, mm-hmm. two scores. Uh, did have the ankle injury. Uh, we still don't know as of this recording on Monday night uh, on the 26th whether he'll be able to go for Georgia Southern against Georgia Southern this weekend. Um, but he was, you know, sharp as, as usual in this one. Uh, I mean, pretty much just an offensive explosion all around. 
uh, for Coastal. I mean, 540 yards of total offense. Defensively, they forced Georgia State to turn the ball over four times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, Zeke, uh, I, I know that there was a point in this game uh, at half where it looked like it was it was close, but to me personally, it just never seemed to really be within striking distance for Georgia State. What do you think? Yeah, uh, State held around pretty much for the whole game. You always had that hope of, you know, oh, maybe, you know, you, you score here, you force an interception, and you score again, we're back into it. But they never could close that two-score gap uh, throughout the game, so they were consistently 14-ish points down. Um, I mean, Grayson McCall, as you said, just sliced through them, um, which is interesting because I feel like Georgia State has a plethora of strong secondary players. I mean, starting with Antavius Lane, right, who last year was first team all Sunbelt, if I'm correct, if I remember correctly. So um, that inability to stop the pass, stop McCall, I mean, he only uh, missed eight of his 27 passes. So um, you, you had a very day, Darren Granger day from Darren Granger. You know, he completed about 50%, one touchdown, two picks. It's very appropriate for him. The run game couldn't move. It was just that, God, you can't stop the pass, and so you're not going to win football games in the Sun Belt. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, Jared Brown um, did most of the damage uh, at receiver uh, for Coastal in this one, and he's only a freshman. And he yeah. had uh, 129 yards in, two, in both of McCall's touchdown uh, throws. And then uh, C.J. Beasley on the ground for Coastal, 142 uh, on 25 carries. Um, this is sort of the Coastal that i had been kind of waiting all year to see, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, not, the, not, the, not the team that was struggling against Buffalo and, and uh, Gardner-Webb and teams like that. I mean... They they really did show up and just sort of, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, I mean, they put the hammer down on Georgia mm-hmm. State and they sort of showed why there is a real tier gap between these two teams. So, Zeke, as we sort of wrap up here, do you have any last second thoughts before we sort of move on from this game? Not really. It's just like you've got, especially looking forward the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about who Georgia State plays Army next week. We'll talk about that later. It's just... You've got to really hope they sneak out a win because as you fall to 0-5, you fall to 0-6, even though I'm a firm believer in Sean Elliott, I believe, I'm a believer in the program they have there, that's when you start to ask questions if you aren't already. Um, so it's just, it, obviously they weren't, I don't think anyone could have predicted a win for Georgia State in their sane mind in this game, but to have done it in the fashion they did is um, doesn't invoke confidence. Yeah. Um, well, with that, like I said, Georgia State falls to 0-4. They're still looking for their first win. Uh, Coastal moves to 4-0 and now are 1-0 in Sunbelt play. Um, so let's get into, I think, the most surprising, I think both of us would say, result of the weekend for the Sunbelt. Um, App State channels their inner Atlanta Falcons and blows a 28-3 lead. Uh, they were up 28 to three with six minutes left in the first half. It looked like they were going to cruise to an easy victory in this one. And then I don't know if they just took their foot off the gas or what the, the overall sort of sentiment is here. I mean, I'm going through the win probability sheet on ESPN and with 13 minutes left in the game, 
app was up 28-17 and had an 87% chance to win this. And then you just see a straight line go up for JMU. Uh, Todd Centeo put the team on his back. Uh, mm-hmm. He channeled his inner Greg Jennings, if anybody gets that reference. <laughs> um, but yeah, app just, I mean, like I said, it, they just took their foot off the gas. Um as I like to do when app has these sort of weird performances, I searched Sean Clark's name on Twitter. I searched Mm -hmm. Chase Bryce's name on Twitter. Um, There are a lot of app fans who are really unhappy with the way that this team sits right now, even though, even though they're two and two um, and, and still have most of the, of the season left to go. And by the way, James Madison can't win the conference because they just moved up. So they are ineligible to play for a Sunbelt title, even if they ran the table and went undefeated. But there are a lot of fans of the Mountaineers that are unhappy with with the way that this game was managed in specifically and the way that Sean Clark has sort of led this team since he took over. Um, But I've got some bad news. I mean, outside of winning less than six games this year. I mean, Sean Clark's not going anywhere. He was just in the Sunbelt title game last year. Yeah, he's sticking around. Yeah, so I, as much as people want to kind of like, you know, be down on him, I mean, for better or worse, until they bottom out, like he's not going anywhere. It's not Mm -hmm. like one of the, it's not like Georgia Southern, when they bottomed out, they were a two-win football team. Everybody knew that the coach had to go. App yeah. is like still going to be seven and five, eight and four, nine and three type of team. And Sean Clark's going to be there in 2023. I mean, whether you like it or not, but all credit to James Madison in this one. Zeke, what did you kind of take away from this game the most? I may have, I may have hit everything. But no, I mean, hey, you, you know, you, um, you hit a lot of good points. My biggest thing was that AppScape 28, obviously 28 to three lead 28, all 28 of them came in the second quarter. I mean, yep. zeros across the board elsewhere. Um, fun anecdote, last time these pl- teams played in 2008, uh, App State blew a 21-7 to lead. So that's a fun oh. anecdote for you. Oh, no. Uh, um, so a little history there next time, <laughs> uh, this game next year. But I was just – it's just that this, this is the first game that we've seen App State, like, really have a commanding lead, you know? Um, they were kind of neck and neck with Troy last week. They were step for step with A and M, and then obviously that UNC game. And so the fact that they had such a lead, like it looked like they were caught off guard by the fact that they didn't have to play for their life every down. Uh, when you're up twenty eight to three, I mean, obviously Falcons jokes aside, you're pretty comfortable in that. Um, and they just crumbled under that pressure, which was indescribably surprising to me. Um, whether that surprise is uh, warranted or not, or if I should just be, you know, think, oh, that's Sean Clark, that's App State. But that was what stood out to me is that this is the first time App State's held a significant lead and they just tossed it away like it was nothing. Yeah, I mean, you you had a good call actually in the last week's episode where you were you were saying you don't trust them to hold a lead. Um, mm-hmm. Or it was something, you said something along those lines, and I thought about that as I kind of watched this this lead for App melt away. Um, you know, and stat-wise, if you just look at the board, Chase Bryce didn't play terrible overall. Um, but, but that's not Chase Bryce. 
Right. And and their their inability apps, inability to run the football in this one was really what killed them. I mean, Nate Noel and Cameron Peoples combined for 10 carries and 22 yards mm-hmm. on the ground. I mean, their leading rusher was a guy I've never heard of, Amani Marshall, um, who, I mean, good for him for getting some run in this one. He was like about the only effective running back they had. He averaged five yards a carry, but this is just an ugly game for them all around. Mm-hmm. And I think this sort of highlighted the concerns that I had for not picking them to win the East before the season started, which is they don't that plethora of receivers that they had last year is gone. Um, So a lot more falls on to Bryce to sort of make a play because they just kind of have, they just kind of have a a committee. They're a receiver by committee type team. Mm -hmm. And when you don't have like a true number one, I mean, last year app had a one, a two and a three and you knew who each of them were. Um, But yeah, this year it's like, with the running game, you never know who's going to lead them in rushing. In receiving game, you definitely have no idea who's going to lead them in receiving. So it's just kind of like, who can you really rely on in this yeah. offense? Um, and that's that's been sort of my concern. And then we we talked about it after the UNC game. Their pass defense has not been what it has been the last couple of years. Um, mm. They just, every, every time this season that they've played a competent quarterback, so you can throw AM out because Haynes King's not a co- competent quarterback. Every time they've played a team with a competent quarterback, they've got shredded or sliced up or whatever, you know, adjective, yeah. you, uh, you know, what you want to use, uh, metaphor. But so, Todd Centeno, three touchdowns by himself, 200 and what, 65 total yards of offense between running and passing. Um, yeah, I mean, they, I I don't think you can put it better than the fact that App State just choked the game away. I mean, I, I, no, I, that's really what happened. And when you start to play other teams, you know, you mentioned App. It's going to be App and Coastal at the end of the year. Who's going to win the division? And right now, it's looking like Coastal. Um, when you play that ever crucial game against Coastal, I think your ability to play with any sort of lead is going to be important because App State likes likes to score. And we've seen Coastal sputter a little bit. So if they get up any sort of lead, it's not it doesn't mean anything if you're upstate. Zeke, I, I also want to throw this out there. Um, so App scored their last points with six minutes left in the second quarter. James okay. Madison pulled ahead with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. So they only needed 26 minutes of game time to score 32 points or to score 29 points because they already had a field goal at that point. Yeah. But yeah, they, they took less than half of the game to score all, you know, 29. Yeah. Outside. And, and then in the last 10 minutes, they just cruised. That's what was crazy to me is like, they blew this lead. And then the the final 10 minutes of the game, it was just like, yeah, we can kind of just hang out. Like apps Mm -hmm. not going to score again. So that that was crazy to me. Um, do you sort of have any last minute notes? Because, I mean, I, I can't put this out there enough that how how crazy it is to blow a lead of this proportion when, like you no, said, you yeah. score four touchdowns in the second quarter. 
Um, you mentioned the final, what, 10-ish minutes of the game. Um, yeah. App only had two possessions. They had 29 yards over that two possessions. Uh, ran 12 plays. Obviously, a lot of that is James Madison had a ridiculous 13-play uh, drive that spanned over seven minutes. That's what I love about football. That is football to me. I love that. Um, but, I mean, they touched the ball only two times in that 10 minutes, so it's not like they had an opportunity to come back in. But uh, I hear what you're saying. They they did nothing with it once given those opportunities. Yeah, and and I mean, like I said, the, this is my concern about Chase Bryce is when when a game like this comes up and when the chips are down and when everything's on his shoulders, I just don't I don't trust him to to win a, a game single handedly for him. So, we saw that in the UNC game, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So uh, so yeah. With that loss, App drops to two and two, one and one in Sun Belt play. James Madison in their first ever Sun Belt game defeats App State in Boone and moves to three and zero this season. Mm-hmm. Um, getting into the next game of the night, Georgia Southern welcomed in Ball State uh to statesboro um uh, you know they had their issues with ball state um especially in the first half uh defensively even though georgia southern had a lead at halftime defensively georgia southern was not sharp at all and when ball state tied the ball tied the uh, the game up um in late in the third quarter i said here we go again this is going to end up like you know UAB last week where Georgia Southern gets a nice little advantage and then it just absolutely, you know, sinks away, Mm -hmm. but they did a much better job of finishing. They scored two touchdowns within the last, you know, seven or so minutes of game time to put the game out of reach. And the, the, the pass that Kyle Van Treese threw with one forty to go to ice this game on a third and eight, and to throw a 47 yard touchdown to to extend your lead to 14 was just or 11 rather was just yep. perfect. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better play call, better execution, better throw. So, yeah, credit to Georgia Southern all around. Um Zeke, do you have anything on this? No, I mean, this is your game. I'll let you talk about it, but um it looked like um what I was really impressed by was Georgia Southern's protection of Vantrese. Uh I mean, he obviously had a great game as he's been doing all game, but I mean, he was what touched sacked like one time. Um, See, and this was the first sack Georgia Southern has given up this season. That's first of all, ridiculous. Uh, I don't know as we, as obviously they had a bit of a cupcake uh, start to the schedule, despite the, you know, Nebraska and UAB were a little tougher, but um, I, that's what really stood out to me is you go from, this run-heavy team last year, um, over the past couple of years, um, where it's all predicated on blocking. Yeah, that's how you that's how you have a successful run game. You switch over. Oh, we're gonna pass the ball. Like you know, like like you're not allowed to not pass the ball, and they're blocking like nobody's business. And that has been, um, I mean, that allows Van Trees to make that third and eight pass right to extend the lead. Yeah. It allows him in those dying minutes to make these uh, passes when you're down three, you know, at the seven minute mark to, to make those sorts of uh, goal line passes where there's going to be more pressure. So um, I think the offensive line we'll see as Sunbelt play continues, but I think the Georgia Southern offensive line might be 
at the very least performing, if not is but talent wise, the best in the Sun Belt right now. Yeah, so uh, this is someone else I wanted to give credit to. Um, in the offseason when Clay Hilton was putting together a staff, um, mm-hmm. he was able to poach uh, UAB's offensive line coach who had been there the last three years. Um, and his name's Richard Owens. He's done a spectacular job with the offensive line uh, through the beginning of this season. I mean, I have had my gripes about this team, but they mostly lie on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Mm -hmm. Offensive line wise, like you said, I mean, coming into this game, Zeke also think about this ball state and Georgia Southern had each given up zero sacks this season. Each team coming into this. So both offensive lines have just been spectacular. Like you couldn't ask for much. And even the sack that Van Treese took in this one was more on him for holding the ball too long rather than the line. I mean, they can't protect forever, you know? So yeah, credit to him, credit to them in this one. They, like I said, they definitely uh, showed a lot of guts and um, yeah. So Georgia Southern moves to three and one this season. Uh, Ball state drops to one and three in the 34, 23 defeat of the Cardinals. Uh, Let's get into the next game here. Uh, Old dominion faced off with Arkansas state and they, it took a late touchdown with six minutes remaining um, and a two point conversion to give the Monarchs the eventual victory. Mm-hmm. Statistically, this is pretty wild. The fact that old dominion in this game had 12 first downs the entire game. Yeah. And uh, once again, I mean, going back to the Virginia Tech game, I mean, they had a interception return for a touchdown. I mean, they, they they have to have the most defensive and special teams points scored in college football. I feel like every week they get a defensive score, but, you know, some weeks, obviously their offense isn't able to help out. Um, but yeah, I mean, great great win for old dominion in their first ever sunbelt game. I personally thought Arkansas state was going to be able to take this one just because I had my doubts about old dominions offense. But like I said, if you got the connection that Hayden Wolf and Ollie Jennings, the third have is, mm-hmm. is something special. Yeah. I mean, Jennings caught what a 77 yard touchdown pass. I believe it was um, mm-hmm. that kind of gave old dominion brought old dominion back into the game. Um, I'm curious how this game plays out without that big explosive play and how that plays out without the interception return. It happened, Old Dominion won. I don't mean to discredit them. But based on those stats, you know, Arkansas State had almost 400 yards of offense, controlled the ball for most of the game, had 10 more first downs. So if you take those two third quarter, the 70-plus the yard pass and then the pick six, you take those out of the game, how does Old Dominion perform? And I, again, I don't mean to discredit them. They won. But those are those hypotheticals that I want to ask now. You know, is this a win we can really learn about Old Dominion, learn a lot about Old Dominion from? Uh, obviously, we learn, as you mentioned, Ollie Jennings, Hayden Wolf, absolutely crazy. We learned that Old Dominion does not run the ball well. Their leading rusher had 36 yards. Um but outside of that, I I don't know what to take away from this game from Old Dominion. We we didn't learn a ton about Arkansas State, but I don't know if we learned anything about Old Dominion. 
Well, we are going to learn something about them before it's all said and done, because Zeke, I want to read off the rest of their schedule to yes, you. Sir. Uh, so they beat Arkansas State on Saturday. The next game, they have to go to Coastal on the 15th. Yeah. So they get a week off. But or, No, sorry. I'm starting again. They played Liberty next weekend. Yes, sir. At home. Okay. Then they have a week off, and then they go to uh, Coastal Carolina. They have to play them. And then the week after, they play Georgia Southern at home. Then they play at Georgia State at home against Marshall and James Madison. And then they end their season with App State in South Alabama. So that is not an easy stretch (laughs) as far as Sunbelt play goes. I mean, uh, I know we agreed that Georgia State has their issues, but they're the easiest team on there. And like you said, they've given some teams that they've played this year a run for their yeah. money. So it's not as if they're they're not like a pushover, even though they they're currently the record is what it is. So, yeah, we're going to learn about what type of football team Old Dominion is before the end of the season, because this game was their one sort of easy ish Sunbelt win. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't they don't get the Texas State's. And the ULMs and and that of the world. I mean, they play pretty much the cream of the crop from here on out. So, yeah. so yeah. I mean, we'll see what sort of team they are. But like I said, congrats to them getting their first win. I I personally had my doubts. Obviously, they proved me wrong. So good to them for that. I just do think that this lack of running game and the reliance on Jennings to absolutely have to make a play every single game deep to to kind of spark their offense. I just don't I don't think it's going to be able to work every single week. Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll have to see, but like I said, they have a they have a tough road ahead for sure. Um yeah. so with that one Old Dominion uh moves to 1-0 in Sunbelt play, 2 and 2 this season, Arkansas State drops to 0-1 in Sunbelt play and 1 and 3 this year. Old Dominion wins 29-26. Um the next game on the slate, Southern Miss surprised me and pulled off a win against Tulane on the road in New Orleans. Um, statistically, I can't make head or heads or tails of this one because Southern Miss had 253 yards of total offense. Mm-hmm. Um, their running back, Frank Gore, just had 44 yards on 16 carries. So he averaged two yards like just over or just under three yards a carry Tulane held the ball for most of the game and Tulane had 450 yards of offense and they lost by what should have been, I think 10 because Southern miss had a 27 to 17 lead until 19 seconds left in the game. Yep. So basically the Southern miss was in control, but they never had the ball, which seems weird to me. Yeah, I think that goes back to uh, kind of what we talked about with Old Dominion is having like big plays. Um, I mean, as you look down the scoreboard, there's nothing, no Southern Miss scoring play from inside the 20. Their closest was a 23-yard pass, uh, passing touchdown caught by Jason Brownlee. Um, But all of their points came from a good distance away. Zach Wilk uh, had, what, two touchdown passes, both they, they were 23 and 37 yards. You have a pick six, you get two field goals in there. So they weren't really punching it in uh, from close. So that's where you're missing all of those yards. What really stood out to me, um, obviously Frank Gore, as you mentioned, he's playing really Jekyll and Hyde this year. 
Um, he's had two games above five yards per carry, one of those being 11.7, and he's had two games below three. So mm-hmm. don't know what's going on there. And it, sound, it would appear that we have the answer to the quarterback um, debacle, debate, whatever you want to call it, that we've been having at Southern Miss the past couple of weeks between Wilk and Ty Keys. Um, Wilk played the entire game. He played pretty efficiently, you know, not, not great, but I mean, better than he, I feel like he has all season. So, um, it, it's odd that Southern Miss won this game. I think Tulane was favored by at least 11 and a half, I believe was the line at kick. Um, mm-hmm. so good win for them. But I I don't know if this is much of a statement win as much as a as compared to a hey congrats we won a game we probably shouldn't have. Well, I will say I'm going to give credit to them on a couple of things. Southern mm-hmm. Miss that being that, and I do want to give credit to Tulane on on one player specifically. But um, Southern Miss uh, credit to them for getting down 14 to nothing in the second quarter and not just kind of giving up or throwing yeah. in the towel because. It, in a game where you're a double-digit dog, it's hard to stay up in a game like that and be like, "No, we still are, have a chance to win this game." Just because we went down fourteen zero doesn't, you know, mean anything. But um, credit to Eric Scott Jr., uh, their DB, who returned uh, an interception, thirty-five yards for a score with seven minutes to go in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. Even with seven minutes left and plenty of time for Tulane to kind of recoup a couple of scores that was essentially the dagger in this one. Um, yeah. you know, they went up 27, 17 and Tulane for as many yards as they had just didn't convert them into points, which is kind of strange to me. Maybe they have some red zone woes. I, I don't know. I haven't watched a ton of Tulane this year. Um, the one piece of credit I wanted to give to Tulane is this running back, Ty J Spears. When I'm looking at him, he seems to be a dog because he had 114 yards rushing and two scores. Then he led the team in receiving with 74 yards on five catches. He he seems to be like a problem. <laughs> and he seems like he's going to be a problem if this keeps up. Um, but yeah, good, good win for Southern Miss. Uh, I didn't foresee them beating Tulane. Um, but like I said, credit to the Credit to the Golden Eagles, man. Yeah. Yep. Um, so getting into a game that didn't really surprise us with the final, maybe with how little they scored, actually. Texas State uh, beats Houston Christian 34 to zip. Um, this one sh- sort of went the way we expected it to. Lane Hatcher uh, threw for 362 and four touchdowns. Um, Texas State's defense held Houston Christian to just 142 yards of total offense. Um, you want to talk about first downs? Houston Christian just had eight first downs the entire game. Um, yeah, that's tough. Uh, good, good win for Texas State. Like I said, uh, we we foresaw this being a layup. They have a, t- a, a a tough stretch after this of James Madison, App, and Troy. Their next three. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Z, do you have any thoughts? This was sort of a, a, you know, duh type of game. Yeah, it was a duh type of game, but I know you and I kind of talked about that. If something were to go haywire, that'd be it for Spavadol. They'd probably mm-hmm. give him his papers like they did Herm Edwards, you know, right walking right out the end zone. Um, and I didn't watch a ton of this game, but I did turn it on. And 
Uh, Texas State started the game with an interception and then a three and out. So uh, at first you were like, eh, but uh, they found it after a couple a couple drives and really turned it on. So not a ton to say. Yep. I think uh, I think Spavadol now, my opinion is uh, looking, as you mentioned, through the rest of the schedule, the rest is Sunbelt. Um, and I don't think you fire your head coach. Um, you know, they beat Houston Christian. So I don't think they fire him after any of the Sunbelt games. So he'll at the very least see through the season, which has kind of been the big thing surrounding Texas State is does Spav make it through the season? Yeah. So Texas State moves to two and two with the win. Um, like I said, they have a challenging, you know, three game stretch coming up here soon. Uh, getting into another game that I, I thought was really surprising. Uh, Troy beats Marshall 16 to seven. Um, just a couple of storylines going into this one. Uh, Henry Columby gets benched halfway through this game, uh, for Cam Fancher, uh, who was not good statistically. I mean, neither, neither quarterback was really, but, uh, Marshall's offensive line just got dominated by Troy's front. I mean, Marshall had 174 yards of total offense and Troy did not score a offensive point in this one. They had a fumble return for a score and they kicked three field goals. So Zeke, what did, what did you sort of take away from this? Um, obviously another week without Rasheen Ali. Uh, I know a couple of weeks ago he, was reintroduced to the team. It's still Kalen Laybourne carrying, and he's still doing, God, a hell of a job. Um, isn't this kind of the Troy team that we projected in the preseason? They'd allow very few points. Their defense would be great, and then they would put up just enough points to win. Um, I, I think that's kind of both the the outlook you and I both had on their season. Um, really disappointing. Well, out, outside, of, outside of one play they could easily be three and one this year no yeah going into going into next weekend against western kentucky i mean outside of a a hail mary against app i mean if they were sitting at three and one i'd be i'd be going told you so i thought they'd be you know right here but yeah uh what i mean to say is as compared to the last few weeks this is kind of the troy team that we've grown to um recognize over the past few years with the really dominant defense Mm-hmm. Um, is what I more mean to say. Um, yeah, disappointed by Colin B's performance. I uh, don't really know what's going on there. I don't know if he was hurt. Um, I don't know if they didn't like how he was playing. I mean, he was eight for 13, which isn't terrible. Obviously, you perform prefer more, but that's not obscenely poor. So don't – something to watch on as we get closer to Saturday, uh, what news comes out of Marshall there. Um, but it was a pretty pretty good win for Troy. They're now, what, one and one in the conference, could be 2-0, and so – They've emerged as a uh, a really really good team out west. Yeah, uh, another thing I wanted to throw in really quick before we sort of move on. Carlton Marshall had 17 tackles in this game. He he just became the Sun Belt's all time leader in tackles uh, with 474, I believe, as it stands today. Yeah. Um, so credit to him for that. Um, I mean, he's been dominating the Sun Belt like at that linebacker position pretty much his he, whole career. He feels like he's been at Troy like a million years. Yeah. I, I feel like he's been there since 2016, even though he definitely hasn't. Or maybe he has. I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, Gunnar Watson played fairly well, 321 yards passing. Um, I think the story more kind of fell on Troy's defense and Marshall not being able to get either 100 yards combined passing or 100 yards combined rushing mm-hmm. in this game 
Um, so yeah, Troy picks up the 16 to seven surprising win, at least surprising to me. Uh, they moved to two and two, like you said, one and one in Sunbelt play. Marshall drops to 0 and one in Sunbelt play and two and two overall. Uh, getting into this next game, South Alabama absolutely whooped uh, Louisiana Tech 38 to 14 at home. Uh, the South Alabama defense forced Louisiana Tech to commit five turnovers. Uh, Carter Bradley was sharp with three touchdown passes uh, on just 178 yards passing. Um, they got a little help from their uh, their defense. Uh, they had a, a punt return for a score. I mean, they were just they were dominating in all all phases. Yeah, those those turnovers. I mean, obviously, really really help. They picked off Louisiana Tech's QB Parker McNeil four times, which sucks to be that guy. Um, and it looks like he can't say I've watched a ton of Louisiana Tech football, but um, he threw two picks against Clemson, one against SF uh, Austin. So he's not trending well. He's got seven picks through four games. So not good in that department. Um, uh, and again, not to discredit South Alabama, I'm curious how this game looks without those tur- uh, turnovers. Um, Louisiana Tech, I think, still loses, but I'm curious what that margin looks like. Is it only two scores? Is it only one score? Is it 10 points, 14, what have you? Um, but yeah, Carter Bradley played fine, not great, um, but played fine. Uh, he passed him really, He found a lot of long balls that was really impressive and uh, liked the, the rushing game from uh, South Alabama. Yeah, I mean, just a, a complete team performance, like I said. Mm. Um, South Alabama, like I said last week, looks like the real deal in the West, like the only team that I can point to as saying they're they're pretty good. So yeah. we'll see how the rest of the season goes. South Alabama moves to 3-1 and one this year. Louisiana Tech drops to 1-3. and three. Uh, Let's get into the final game of the night, which... I, I didn't have the guts to call for an outright upset, but I did say I thought ULM would keep it closer uh, than the nine and a half point line for Louisiana indicated. But ULM walks away with a 21 17 loss or win, rather. Louisiana takes the loss. Uh, ULM was not really in this game until the fourth quarter started, and then they score a couple touchdowns. Uh, you know, within the last what eleven minutes of the game, yeah. And Louisiana's offense looks like a mess. Um, I watched I watched uh, the fourth quarter of this game because Georgia Southern was sort of wrapping up, and I was getting my recap of them up. And Louisiana literally could not stop. It felt like tripping over their own feet, shooting themselves in the foot, whatever verbiage you want to use. Louisiana just doesn't doesn't seem to have it. Yeah, this was absolutely yucky. And Louisiana, without Billy Napier and without all those transfers they lost, gosh, man, two years ago, this final to this game was 70 to 20 in Louisiana's favor, wasn't it? Like, uh, yep. so credit to Bobby Bowden, or um, um, I'm sorry, Terry, Terry, not Bobby, may he rest. Um, but credit to him for turning around this program. But oh my God, I just. This feels like Louisiana is just absolutely sputtering. I don't know if – I mean, obviously, in-state rival. Congratulations, UL Monroe. But Louisiana is just sputtering. It's not like he had a huge, big win over a much better team because, as you mentioned, Louisiana is not looking too hot, especially, especially offensively. 
No, and, and I think the most surprising thing for me about Louisiana is um, they just struggle to run the football, mm-hmm. which is one thing that I definitely thought would translate. Um, you know, like I, uh, Chris Smith was one of my picks, like preseason to to be like a breakout type player. I mean, I don't know if he just isn't getting the volume or whatever. I mean, his 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 high in carries so far this year is twelve in a game. Um, I mean, he basically through four games, I mean, he's averaging what, like less than 40 yards rushing, Mm -hmm. um, a game. Um, I I mean, I think personally he's their best running back. Now, why you only give him 10 carries in a game where you're up for most of it by 10 or more, you know, 17 to seven at half. So why you're not trying to salt the game away a little bit more and why you're throwing it. 34 times with Chandler Fields is kind of baffling to me. Um, But Andrew Henry, the running back for ULM, really made, you know, the Cajuns pay. 11 carries, 123 and a score and a 75-yard rushing touchdown. Um, Like I said, man, Louisiana just, they look, their defense is okay, but their offense is an absolute mess. Um, They just can't do anything, and they're super sloppy with everything, it feels like. So, yeah, once again, credit to the Warhawks. Um, you know, they moved to two and two uh this season, one and oh in Sunbelt play. Uh the Cajuns dropped to two and two and oh and one in Sunbelt play. Um, like I said, uh, they are looking at a I think a really couple, maybe one or two rebuilding seasons ahead of them before yeah. they kind of even get back to approaching what they were before. Mm-hmm. Uh so let's get into this weekend's uh games. Let's start off Saturday at noon Eastern time. Georgia State travels to West Point to take on Army. Army in this one is a seven and a half point favorite. Uh, Over under is 55 and a half. Uh, I think Georgia State keeps this one closer than the seven and a half. Um, I think I, I think there's a real shot that they win this game outright. Um, I just, I don't really believe in Army. Um, Mm. They've given me some mixed, and I know Georgia State has not been consistent, but Army's really given me some mixed signals with Coastal Carolina losses and and UTSA losses. Um, Mm. But yeah, I think Georgia State, I think Georgia State has a pretty good shot of picking up their first win uh, this weekend against Army. They just have to be able to kind of replicate what Coastal did and get up a couple of scores early and force army to get out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, if that first win wasn't going to come against Charlotte, it was going to come against army. Um, but last year I remember this game, it was 43 to 10 in army's favor. Uh, army just absolutely stomped on him. Obviously there was a lot of weird variables in that with, you know, your best, ru- uh, your top quarterback and your best rusher were both kind of like on their way out. There was, you know, locker room things uh, with, Quad Brown and Destin Coates that kind of confounded into that, but I I'm gonna believe it when I see it. I I think I agree with you that this is probably the best chance Georgia State has had to win. Um, obviously outside of that Charlotte game, but I if you just compare common opponent, Georgia State lost by a greater margin to Coastal than Army did. Um, and yeah. if we're just gonna use that as a barometer. Obviously, when you're talking about Army you know, point differentials become a little funky and you don't, they're not as uh, reliable, not that they're incredibly reliable anyway, but a little, even more or less reliable 
when you're talking about Army. So I, I think – I don't know if they cover. I, I think as we sit here, I take Army to cover that 7.5. Okay. Um, getting into the next game, one thirty Eastern, uh, Texas State is traveling to Harrisonburg, Virginia to take on – James Madison, who, like we mentioned, mm-hmm. pulled off the the come from behind upset of App State last week. Um, JMU is a twenty two and a half point favorite in this one. Over under is fifty two and a half. Um, betting, I, I wouldn't bet this game with. I wouldn't touch this game with a ten foot pole. To be totally honest with you, uh, twenty two and a half is a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. There is a chance that Texas State gets down, but then scores a couple a touchdown or two late, and it absolutely screws you on the on the twenty two and a half if you took it. Um, I, I definitely think James Madison wins this game, um, but Texas State as a twenty two and a half point dog just seems like a lot of points, uh, and I could see James Madison getting up big and sort of just taking their foot off the gas and looking towards you know, the next couple games after this one. I mean, they play, you know, they do play Arkansas State and Georgia Southern their next two. Mm-hmm. So I could kind of see them just taking their foot off the gas and being like, eh, and then Hatcher throwing a couple garbage time touchdowns to make it seem closer than it really is. I uh, I agree with you that I think James Madison is going to handle this one fairly confidently, but I have almost the exact opposite opinion about that spread. Because it's above 21, I feel good taking Texas State to cover. Um, if the okay. line was, say, 20 and a half, now I'm not going to take uh, – that's where you get in the gray area. But having it above that 21 mark makes me feel pretty comfortable to take Texas State. I think um, 21 is just a lot, especially after a solid, good-looking performance against Houston Christian. Um, you know, unlikely, but you might catch James Madison sleeping a little. So – um, James Madison, I'll be outright, but I'll, I'll take Texas State to cover. Okay, fair enough. Uh, 3.30 kick uh, Eastern time. The Citadel is traveling to face uh, App State in Boone. Uh, App State, no line on this game since it's an FCS versus FBS matchup. App State gets to take out their frustrations on a, uh, a service academy type school in the Citadel. Mm-hmm. Um, the Citadel is one of those that runs the uh, full flex bone style triple option. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think App State's going to win this game. I think they're going to win it fairly handily. I think they're going to take out, like I said, their frustrations of the uh, the James Madison loss last week out on yeah. the uh, the Bulldogs here. No, this will be a, a very good get right game uh, as App State over the next couple of weeks plays obviously Citadel, but then they play Texas State, Georgia State, Robert Morris. Those are four pretty winnable games. You know, if you're doing anything less than three and one, you're really, really upset. Um, so I think this is going to start like a very good stretch where we see, um, I mean, how well can App State hold on to leads? Obviously, I don't think they're going to blow it like they did against James Madison, but how well do they hold on to those leads in the late second, early third quarter? Um, at some point, you start to pull the starters, put foot off the gas, but in that middle of the game, how well are you holding your lead? How well are you taking care of the football? 
um, because they end the season with with obviously being in the East. They've got a harder schedule than those in the West, but Coastal Marshall, Dominion Southern, that's a tough four to end with. Mm-hmm. So this is going to begin a stretch of where we actually figure out is App State what we thought they were going to be, or is this kind of the begin of the decline of Sean, uh, Sean Clark? Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, the other 3.30 kick on Saturday, uh, Marshall welcomes in FCS Gardner-Webb. Like I said, no betting line in these FCS-FBS matchups. Gardner-Webb, if you'll remember, week two gave Coastal Carolina an absolute run for their money, where Bailey Fischel, Fisher, their quarterback, threw for 4.03. Um, I'm not saying Marshall's going to lose this by any stretch, but they need to figure out whatever issues they had against Troy uh, offensively. They need to figure that out. And also just be aware Gardner Webb's going to sling it. I mean, Gardner Webb's one and three this year. They lost the two games after the coastal game, but they're going to throw the ball a lot. So Marshall, like I said, is going to need to be ready. They're going to need to probably kill clock with, Layborn, um, I don't know if Rasheen Ali is coming back anytime soon. Like you said, he's joined practice back, but we don't mm-hmm. know what his overall status is. Um, but yeah, I mean, Marshall just, they're just going to need to be on their toes because if if Gardner-Webb could give Coastal a game, I mean, Marshall, I don't think, is on that level. So I, I hear what you're aware. saying, um, but I think we can both agree that Coastal game was a little bit of a fluke for Gardner-Webb. You know, that's going to be their big performance of the year when you look back and like, oh my God, do you remember when we almost beat Coastal? Um, so I can't imagine that this is going to be remotely as difficult for Mar- uh, for Marshall. Um, with that said, talking about get-right games with the last one, this is another. This is an opportunity for Marshall to, you know, try a few different tweaks and figure out what works. You know, how can we find a more clear-cut receiver? How can we set Laybourne up for those even bigger runs than he's making already? You know, maybe yeah. whatever was going on with Columby, this is his, get that momentum back, you know, complete 20, 30 passes, um, throw for two touchdowns, and you, you're back to where you were. So I obviously no line, as you mentioned. I'm not as hesitant. I understand the 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 um, the cautiousness coming into this game. And you do need to be aware that Gardner-Webb almost beat Coastal, but I I can't imagine Marshall winning this by any less than 14. Okay. Uh, getting into the 4 o'clock kick, uh, Georgia Southern travels to Conway mm-hmm. uh, to play uh, Coastal on the teal turf. Um, Coastal's a 10-point favorite in this one. I have a caveat on my on my pick against the spread. If, if Gardner, if uh, Grayson McCall plays, I take coastal. If Grayson McCall doesn't play a place, I take Southern Um, because Georgia Southern has not looked good. The last two performances against coastal Uh, Grayson McCall has not played in the last two matchups. He was out with injury. I think he had COVID in 2020 and couldn't play. Mm -hmm. Maybe I, I think I got that right. Um, but he has not yet suited up against Georgia Southern, and he has that ankle injury that we mentioned. However, if Grayson McCall plays, I think he dices up Southern's secondary. But if it's Bryce Carpenter or one of these other guys, I I think that 
Coastal could still win. I just think it's going to be much closer than 10. I think Georgia Southern can keep it within double digits. It's just McCall is the one X factor that I can't account for as of today with his ankle. Jamie Chadwell said with the, uh, the, the Georgia state game last Thursday, he said that if, if the, if he needed to, he could have put McCall back into that game. Now, how, how much of that is due to, you know, coach speak or, you know, um, adrenaline on McCall's part. We'll have to see. Uh, but that's my caveat. If, if McCall suits up, I'm taking coastal minus yeah. 10 all day. Um, I hear what you're saying, and I, I think I may hold the same opinion there, but it sounds like McCall's ready to play. Um, I, I don't think a head coach would say he could have gone back in if that wasn't the case, um, because let's say McCall's injury was much worse than what y- you know we initially believed, and Chadwell says, oh, he can play, and the next week McCall's not on the field. He's going to get, you know... Uh, every sort of insult from, you know, here to Tallahassee about why aren't you playing McCall? Why aren't you playing your best quarterback? So I don't think that's something he would have just flippantly said, um, which makes me think McCall's going to play, which I agree with you. I think Coastal will beat Southern here by 10. That feels like a really, really good line. It does feel like it's going to be 50-50. Do they beat him by 10 or not? Um, But that's my take on the game. Uh, I would also uh, lean the over in this one. It's 59 and a half. Uh, last week, Georgia State and Coastal played to a total of 65. And I mm-hmm. think Georgia Southern's passing offense is more conducive to scoring quickly than Georgia State's is. So I think that they, I think these two teams can both score. And I think the passing offense or the passing defense for Coastal is fine mm-hmm. i don't think it's like locked down by any stretch and georgia southern's passing defense is almost non-existent so um i like the over in this one i think they i think they both put up a lot of points and uh one other last thing i wanted to mention is we may be watching future georgia tech head coach jamie chadwell in this one because yep georgia tech just canned uh, their head coach yesterday and I've already heard Chad Bull's name kind of getting kicked around because of the style of offense he runs. Um, so yeah, that's that's another variable maybe we need to throw in there. Um, five o'clock kick. South Alabama travels to Lafayette to f- take on the struggling Cajuns. Uh, the Jaguars are a nine-point favorite. I'm taking the Jaguars in the nine all day. Mm-hmm. Um Louisiana, like I said, looks like an absolute mess on offense. And if there's one thing that we know South Alabama can do, it's score points and they play defense. And this is not a good <laughs> this is not a good matchup for the Cajuns by any stretch. I mean, yeah. I'm looking back at their schedule. I mean, their season high in points was 49 against Eastern Michigan. But outside of that game, they've struggled. They haven't scored more than 24 in a game outside of that game. So I think the Jaguars roll them in this one. And I think Louisiana just sort of is like, let's go ahead and hit the reset button on this season and just start building for 2023. Yeah. I I like your take on that hitting the reset. It's really going to come down to this performance. If they, if they can't win this game, I do think South Alabama now all of a sudden becomes the favorite to win the Sun Belt West if they aren't already. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, 
Now you have the head-to-head in case of some sort of conference in-conference tie, but also just that's a that cements us that South Alabama is better than Louisiana. And if it wasn't going to be Louisiana, who else would it be? Um, uh, keep an eye on Logan, uh, LaDamian Webb this game. I think uh, he could see some really big numbers uh, just because I feel like Louisiana's uh, rush defense is fairly porous. Um, and so Webb is one of a few guys that carries the ball for South Alabama. He being the, uh, the kind of lead. Um, so I think that could be a big game for him, but I, I'm with you. I don't know if I take the nine. No, I'll take South Alabama. He said it's nine straight. Yeah, nine. Yeah, give me South Alabama there. Yeah, and if if Louisiana didn't have a hard enough time running the football, uh, South Alabama's surrendering 85 yards per game on the ground this year. So Mm -hmm. even if you wanted to run the ball, there's no point because it's not going to happen. Getting into the second to last game of the night, 7 o'clock, UL Monroe coming off of their big upset of Louisiana last week. They take on Arkansas State in Jonesboro. Um, Is it... Is it weird for me to be like, make it two in a row for the Warhawks? Because <laughs> I I liked the fight that they showed last week. If mm-hmm. they don't, if they don't, uh, you know, using App State's terminology, if they don't take the cheese uh, in that in this one, um, I could see them upsetting Arkansas State. I think they can do enough on offense. Their defense has actually been okay. I mean, it was good last week against Louisiana. Um, I, I don't know. Seven and a half feels like a lot, especially for an Arkansas state team that has won, uh, what is it? One game this season. And it was against an HBCU. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll take UL Monroe plus seven and a half. No, I'm with you. I think that the defense has been good enough, um, to, you know, at least slow down Arkansas state. I do worry about the offense. Um, Obviously, Old Dominion held Arkansas State to only, what, 26? Um, but yeah. I feel like that's going to be an outlier. Um, so what concerns me is the Warhawks' offense capable of scoring the 28-35 range that is requisite to consider, obviously excluding last week, to beat Arkansas State. Um, so I I don't know. Um, looking at the line, 7.5. Um, I'm leaning Monroe there as well because I think they probably could win this one outright. I think they probably will. Um, but it's it's really just going to be like how good is Monroe's offense. Uh, they dropped only 21 last week. I don't think 21 points is enough to beat Arkansas State. So it's going to come down to that offensive performance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so getting into this last game of the night, Troy is traveling to Bowling Green, Kentucky uh, to take on Western Kentucky. Um, the Hilltoppers are a six-point favorite in this one. Troy is coming off of that uh, that solid win against um, Marshall last week. Um, Western Kentucky's got this guy, Austin Reed, who is absolutely slinging it. Uh, he has thrown for 1,261 yards, um, 1,261 and... 14 touchdowns, just three picks. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I haven't watched any Western Kentucky this year. They're mm-hmm. averaging 47 and a half points per game. Um, I don't know. Give me, give me Western Kentucky. 
Troy is sort of prone to doing this where they're just sort of up and down and all over the place. Um, so I think coming off a big win, this could lie. They, they, they are liable to have one of their down games. Yeah. Uh, it's important. I think uh, to just kind of look at these Western Kentucky stats uh, with a little bit of context, because they absolutely stomped over as we've talked about before the, you know, kindly you can call them a miserable FIU team. And, you know, that's yep. putting it lightly. They beat them 73 to nothing. So the numbers that um, you see with like points and yardage allowed, um, you have to take with a little bit of uh, caution there, just like how legitimate is that? But that said, this team hung around against Indiana. This team beat Hawaii, which aren't massive, massive wins, but those are, you know, power five, uh, power five opponents. So, I like Western Kentucky here, but this may be the one of the better defenses um, they've seen. Troy being Troy's defense, I think, is um, probably one of the better ones they've seen this season, if not the best. Um, so I I like Western Kentucky. I believe the spread is six, and I I'll take Western Kentucky straight up and against the spread. Okay, and. Um... You just mentioned this to me. We skipped over the the six o'clock uh, Liberty at Old Dominion game, uh, so let's get into that. Mm-hmm. Liberty is a one and a half point favorite on the road. Um, I'm taking Liberty minus one and a half here. I mean, if you look at Old Dominion this season, if you just took their stats in a vacuum and didn't look at the wins and the losses, you'd be like. Oh, this team's zero and four or one and three. I mean, they they don't even average uh, three hundred yards of offense per game. They they allow four hundred and forty four yards of offense this season per game. Um, I just think I think Hugh Freeze is a good enough play caller and offensive mind for Liberty to absolutely shred them. Um, and like I said, Old Dominion. The blocking of kicks, the pick return, the pick sixes, like that stuff's not sticky. They, mm-hmm. I mean, they do it a lot, and somehow they always seem to make it happen. But it's not sticky enough to to make a, a difference long term. Like they're not going to have twelve special team scores and twelve defensive touchdowns this season. Like it's yeah. just not happening. So I think Liberty ends up uh, uh, winning in this one um, by let let's say ten points or so. Sure. I, um, my hesitancy here is Liberty's, um, performance against both UAB and Southern Miss this year. Um, so I, I would argue UAB and USM are roughly comparable to Old Dominion, um, especially compared to, you know, Akron and Wake Forest, which are the two teams Liberty's played. Um, oh, wait, hold on. No, hold on. I, I, dis- I disagree. UAB, I think, is uh, head and shoulders better than, no, than every other. I don't even think it's roughly. I think they're head and shoulders better than everybody but Wake Forest that Liberty's played this year. Okay. Okay. Uh, is this perhaps just because they beat your uh, your Eagles? I, I think it's just the level of of play that I saw out of them Okay, in that game. Um, okay. I, you know, what we saw when Liberty played UAB was, you know, UAB ran the ball at will, but they they couldn't throw the ball enough to to get in the end zone. Sure. So I I just think 
I think that win against UAB is, and I mean, they lost to Wake by one point. Yeah. There, I think Liberty is a talented football team that had some rust in week one when they barely beat uh, Southern Miss. But I think that they are Southern Miss. um, I think last week I called it Pittsburgh Steelers itis. Um, And I think that might be what Liberty's got here. Um, It took them four overtimes to beat Southern Miss. And you mentioned they came within one point of beating Wake Forest, but then they had only nine points over Akron, which isn't super impressive to me. Um, So I believe you said, what, 10 for Liberty feels high. I honestly feel comfortable taking Old Dominion straight up. um, And this may be an ill-advised pick. uh, So please don't put any money behind my words because it sounds like I am... Uh, you know, a lone cowboy in this take, but ah, something, something about Liberty's performances up to this point in the year make me think Old Dominion coming after a you know your first uh, in con Sunbelt whenever you, you carry that and at least hold it tight with Liberty within seven. I think also I would take the over in this one. It's the over under super low. It's only forty three and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that we've seen out of Old Dominion is that. I mean, even in their lower scoring games, uh, them and Virginia played to a 30 point total. Okay. Yeah. But outside of that, I mean, they're coming close to averaging in their other games, you know, 43 ish. Um, So I, I think Liberty will be able to score. I think Old Dominion will be able to score at least like two touchdowns in mm-hmm. this one. Um, They haven't scored fewer than 14 points in a game this year. So I think Liberty will be able to sort of carry it over the the over under threshold. So I think it's like 30 to 21 is like the final Liberty. Um, But that is the slate for this Saturday. Zeke, what is a game that you're looking forward to this weekend in the Sunbelt? And uh, where can folks find you on social media? Uh, I'm probably looking forward to South Alabama, Louisiana, the most. Um, if only because it will be a prove-it game for South Alabama. Uh, you win this game, I think you're now head uh, undeniably probably the favorite, as I said earlier, or the best team in the West. And Louisiana, if you lose, as you mentioned, hit the reset. But if you win, you can kind of shake off those first couple games as, oh, well, we don't have a head coach, or this is a first-year head coach. Um, yeah. So I think that's probably the game to me because it has the biggest implications for either side. Okay. Um, the, I think the game I'm looking forward to the most is, the, is that Troy Western Kentucky game we talked about. Um, Western Kentucky, like I said earlier, should be three and one outside of one Hail Mary it, that's separating them from being three and one this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Western Kentucky's, I mean, no offense to App, but we saw App choke away a lead last week. I think Western Kentucky's the best team Troy has played thus far outside of Ole Miss. Sure. So I I want to see if Western Kentucky is legit. I want to see if Troy can keep up this defensive momentum that they've sort of got after this Marshall, you know, 16 to seven win. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that both those things interest me a lot. I'm looking for this Troy Western Kentucky game. Zeke, as we sort of wrap up here, let everybody know uh, where they can find you on social media and if you have any sort of last-minute thoughts here. 
Um, no real last minute thoughts. I'm just, as I've said, I guess for the past four or five weeks, super pumped that we're actually going to be seeing real games that mean something within the context of the Sun Belt. Um, I, I think the out of conference, while while important for the kids as a football fan, doesn't excite me a ton. Um, uh, you know, sometimes you get your upsets, but uh, I'm on Twitter at Zeke Palermo, Z E K E P A L E R M O. And Brian, I know you're on Twitter as well. Yeah, everybody can find me on Twitter at Watch the Stone. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pumped. Like like you said, for uh, another week, we get in deeper into Sunbelt play. We start to see, you know, sort of separate the wheat from the chaff, as they say. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, this has been another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Mm-hmm.